Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is our weekly economic and market commentary for the week beginning today, which is Monday, August 30th, 2021. Uh, Don't forget, if you want to hear more than weekly updates, you can follow me on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or on LinkedIn, Herb Morgan. Uh, this presentation, you're seeing the slides, means you're on our email list or looking on our website, but you can also get us through any of the podcast formats from Spotify to Podchaser to Deezer to Podcast Index. Just say, hey, Google, play Slaying Bulls and Bears, or hey, Siri, play Slaying Bulls and Bears. So with that, let's get on. Nope, nope. Well, there you go. My phone wanted to play it for me. Presentation has been prepared for a use by both financial advisors and individual investors, both or each of whom are expected to make their own investment decisions. There is no investment advice given in this presentation. Nothing should be treated as such. No recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. So, so looks like the Fed might be getting it right. The Fed is very, very clear uh, and sending out all of its voting and even some non-voting members to give the message that Uh, There will be a taper of asset purchases this year. It will likely conclude early in next year. And therefore, there's no real hurry to raise rates. The rates will presumably come after the taper and the cessation of asset purchases. The market seems to think it can handle that and handle the upward inflationary pressure that they're experiencing right now. And uh, valuations seem reasonable given the ultra low level of interest rates. So another big rally in equity prices last week. We saw big, big, big dominance by small and mid cap names. Emerging markets, which have done nothing all year, returned over 4% on the week. So it was a very, very solid week across the board in equities. Many, many new highs. Uh, As you know, we have been overweight growth stocks. We really just did not jump on that value outperformance train. It's been going on for a couple of months. We thought it was legitimate. We just thought it was too short of a trade. We have to pay tax on our gains. You have to get into that, get out. We stuck with growth and growth returned to the forefront in a really big way uh, last week. We also saw interest rates nidge up just a tiny, tiny bit. The aggregate bond index down about five basis points, but the longer dated treasuries got down almost 1% as we got into the 130 range. Wow, the 130 range on the 10-year Uh, Treasury. I still believe that's going to slowly grind higher here. Uh, It could be up to one and three quarters by the end of the year, but that's now far-fetched. I've been previously saying 2%. I'm now lowering that estimate to about one and three quarters by the end of the year. It all really depends on a lot of this reopening activity, uh, COVID cases, employment, employment, employment. Uh, and employment numbers are starting to look pretty darn good. 
So there we go. Uh, in terms of uh, some of the hard economic data, this on manufacturing, we've got the regional report from the Chicago Fed last week for the month of July. Came in at 0.53, which is above the zero line. That's the line of delineation between growth and contraction. You see it up here on the right. Uh, it's a very strong number considering it, you know, the estimate was 0.12. June was actually negative. Uh, and revised down. So big, big jump there. Looks like the second highest reading there in over a decade for Chicago activity. The flash readings from Marquette for the month of uh, August, they do it before the month ends and then they do a final. It's a little different than the ISM strategy. Uh, their manufacturing PMI came in at 61.2, down just a little bit from 63.4. But even though that's a high and exciting number, it, it was a decel to an eight-month low because you can see all these great, great, great numbers here. Um, they cited the, the survey respondents cited shortages of materials, that's ongoing supply chain issues, shortages of labor. We all know about that, and the uptick in the COVID uh, case count, which we're obviously experiencing with this Delta variant. Services, which make up a far greater portion of the U.S. economy by 85 percent. That also fell according to Marquette. That's one, two, three months of decline, but again, above 50, meaning we expanded. We just expanded at a slower pace. Uh, came in at 55.2. That was below expectations, a little bit below expectations. Moving on to residential real estate, maybe there's a little relief here. Uh, it's probably too early to say for sure, but it's starting to look like uh, some of the pressure coming out of that market. Existing home sales rose a lot to a 6 million annualized pace, but high demand remained. Inventory constraints started to ease as inventory of home for sales really broke out, up 7.3% on the month, now 1.3 million homes on the market. If we continue to get more supply, right? It's a simple supply and demand graph we all learned in Econ 1 back in the day, but more supply should put some, some ease, ease on the pr upward pricing pressure. That's good if you're trying to get into the housing market. New home sales ticked up a little bit, 1% to an annualized rate of 708,000. Uh, June was originally came in as a 6.6% uh, decline. So that came up, up better to a 2.6% decline. Uh, firm demand, but also we got additional inventory on the new home side. So that was good news there as well. Maybe, you know, early signs of some easing of some supply chain um, issues. Durable goods orders, which you can see normally very volatile in normal times have been almost exclusively positive here for quite a period of time. They did fall a 10th of a percent. Basically that's the, that's the zero line. You can't even see it over there. Um, capital goods unchanged, core shipments had a big gain, which this will translate into the Q3 GDP. Uh, we are now, you know, we have two months into Q3. We have a lot of data now. We're going to get much more as August ends here. Uh, and that, that is helpful for GDP estimates. However, bottlenecks, supply chain issues remain as orders outpacing shipments. We, we're like, we're filling all the orders we can. Now, get them out the door, but we're getting even more orders in the door. So backlogs continue to be very, very high. On the, on the job side, it's another week below, uh, well, in the threes. I was going to say below 350. It was 353. You're at 53,000. 
These are consistent with a pretty healthy jobs market. Remember, we have that jobs deficit. Fed is saying over and over they want to see another 6 million people on the payrolls uh, before they think about think about raising interest rates, even with the inflationary pressures that we're seeing. Um, we'll see how that goes for them. Uh, I'm, I, I, you know, look through those inflationary inflation data. Uh, they are correct that it's mostly transitory items or reopening related items. Uh, let's hope it doesn't translate more, more broadly uh, through the economy. Second quarter GDP, the revision number uh, came in a tick higher than the 6.5 originally reported, came in at 6.6, uh, largely driven by a bigger increase in personal consumption. That's considered really a core solid part of the economic report because you don't want that driven by say uh, inventory builds that didn't go out the back end or government spending. You want it driven by personal uh, expenditures. So that was a very good, good report to get. That contributed, I think, significantly to the market rally uh, last week. In terms of personal income and spending, which was released for July, it was up 1.1%. Uh, however, there was the disbursement of these child tax credit checks. So those are one time. Although on the good news side, higher consumption, higher wages and salaries contributed as well on the personal spending side. So I would say overall, a pretty good report, even though there was the one-time gain from the child tax credits. The big dog of all price inflation reports is PCE or personal consumption expenditures. It's not CPI, CPI is very important, but that's not the gauge the Fed uses to measure their 2% uh, target. And they've chosen this, uh, this one because it it's an adaptive uh, indicator as opposed to the CPI, which is fixed. In other words, core PC adapts to the things we buy. If we buy more bread, then bread will weight more heavily. It won't be fixed. If we buy more electronics, electronics weight more heavily instead of being fixed. So that's why they like the core PCE or PCE as we do as well. Their target is the red should be at 2% core. You can see it's well above there. They believe it's going to round over and start coming down. Um, it is, however, worth noting that inflationary number on a year-over-year -year basis for core PCE is the highest since the Gulf War. Now, 1991, uh, we had massive increases in oil and energy. Uh, those were considered transitory as well. We know that energy ultimately came down and went back up, but came back down. They think we're going to experience the same thing here. On the bad news side, the University of Michigan's consumer sentiment indicator really took a dive in August down to 70.3. Current conditions dropped to 78.5. Expectations really plummeted down to 65. Mostly people were you know, upset about the increased uh, COVID, Delta variant cases, concerns about possible closings again, supply chain issues, um, and just fatigue, general fatigue over the pandemic. People are tired of it. I don't have to tell you all that. Um, so that's, that was kind of the biggest negative report on the week. Still, the market shrugged that off. Speaking of the market shrugging things off, this is, uh, we're now looking at, um, 10 months without so much as a 5% pullback. And so what these, this red represents here is pullbacks in the S&P 500 of 5%, no, no, I'm sorry, 5% lines right here, the dashed line. 
we've had periods of 10 long months before. As an example, I think Glenn for putting this in the report here, he showed a 20 month, almost a 20 month pullback. We had the great economic expansion after the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Uh, we had very low unemployment. Things were going really, really well for uh, a period of time right there. Uh, then we've got a couple of different pullbacks and obviously the COVID related pullbacks. So 10 months is not unprecedented. Still, I have noticed one thing here. This is called the skew index. The skew index, I'm not going to get into the details of the calculation, but the skew index represents option premiums for S&P 500 options that investors are paying for big movement protection or black swan event or fat tail protection. Um, where, where the VIX index represents near-term option premiums, the SKU index represents further out option premiums and further away strike prices. Meaning this big run up here, now this is a long, long-term chart. This is a 30-year chart, but at an all-time high for the SKU index, it means that investors somewhere are paying and paying up for, for protection meaning they're buying, let's say, puts way out um, at, at numbers below the current S&P, which is roughly 4,400. Is the SKU index reliable? Not really, but because it's at an all-time high, I felt it pretty interesting. It just shows you that people are willing to pay for protection right now. I mentioned areas of concern that I have, which are inflation, uh, but at the same time, demand is so strong um, it's really hard and interest rates are so low. It's really hard to get bearish on this market, especially when we went and hit another new all time high here this morning. This week is just chock full of economic data. It is the first week of the month. We get into September. So we get a lot of reports for August from pending home sales, home prices from multiple sources, consumer confidence, the Chicago PMI, uh, but then with the, the, the important one, the most important ones are the jobs. We've got the ADP jobs on Wednesday and the Bureau of Labor Statistics non-farm payrolls on Friday, both of, look, look, which to, both of which look to be pretty strong. It'd be really great to have more blowouts. If we did have a big blowout, let's say this came in over a million, I think you could see the market correct. Yes, correct. Why? Because I think it, it brings forward the date at which the Fed starts to tighten. And it's, it's, it's reasonably likely that that could be the case. Of course, we've got all the PMIs from uh, Marquette. We've got ISM PMIs. So big, big week all the way across the board for economic data. I look forward to commenting on it with you intra-week on um, Twitter and LinkedIn if you have any interest in that. Of course, just the weekly, don't forget, subscribe, thumbs up, give us a like. We really appreciate it on the podcast, Slaying Bulls and Bears. I thank you for tuning in. And of course, I'll be back to you again uh, next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.